0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Tall and Short of a Podcast, coming to you live from an empty refrigerator. I'm your host, Justin.
1: And I'm Aaron. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, we've got another episode of the podcast for you all this week. So uh, plenty of the the usual quick hitters, Formula One, League of Legends, a little bit of Valorant Champions that we'll get into as well, uh, and Magic the Gathering. But Justin, good to see you, man.
0: Good to see you too. We did a little bit of uh, you know, a little bit of pre conversation about uh the League of Legends series that we watched. So we'll get back into that later. But Aaron, it's uh, you know, good to be back for another week of the podcast. Why don't you give us your rose thorn seed here for the week?
1: Sounds good. So uh for my rose this week, um Colleen and I on Saturday drove up with Senna to New York um for my buddy Steve's birthday. Uh so we went up there having a party at their house. We hadn't seen their new house up there and everything. So made the trek. It was uh it was a long drive on Saturday. Traffic was not working with us, but uh it was a nice time up there. Um it was Senna's longest car trip. She did pretty well. Uh we took one like bathroom break halfway through and um she she was pretty good to go. Uh so I was a little worried she's not like the most keen on the car so i wasn't mm-hmm. sure how that was gonna go but i was uh pleasantly surprised nice um but while we were up there just uh like a weird note we had we stayed over and so just middle of the night i don't wake up for much of anything out of nowhere mm-hmm. We are woken up by the loudest like thunder Colleen or I have ever heard in our lives. It felt like it was like right outside the window um, woke that was set that up this weekend uh this past weekend, but we were up in Long Island, so I got you. I think there was some rain that came through down here, okay. but i'm not really it wasn't anything um anything crazy, just a, a really nasty thunderstorm, but woke wow. me up, woke son up, scared her like half to death. She couldn't go back to sleep. And, and so we actually ended up letting her sleep in bed with us. It's the only time that we've done that, but she was like real freaked out. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was wild. And it went on for just like, oh, 15, 20 minutes of just these loud booms and just Cra- even the rumbling that you hear sometimes
0: Was like loud um, oh, it, wow. was, it was like right above you Yeah,
1: it was just bizarre I've never really uh, Just been so caught off guard By something like that Normally mm-hmm. there's some precursors You hear some wind Or some heavy rain on the roof Or whatever else um, But yeah, that, uh, that definitely Got me up uh, at Two or
0: whatever time in the morning it was um, oh wow, just a loud crack just right in the middle of the night. That'd be super spooky. Yeah, I was like,
1: what I I it honestly just surprised me that I woke up to something that wasn't like an alarm or Senna or <laughs> whatever or Colleen like nudging me in the morning. Mm-hmm. I was like normally I'm out, so it was uh it was pretty crazy. But um my uh my thorn for this week is just, it's something that it, it's an annoyance. It'll be fine. But the pause on student loan payments is ending uh, in the upcoming months. And so I'm like, I spent a couple of like breaks today uh, from work just trying to figure out how I can get rid of these things as quickly as possible and everything. And like, Mm-hmm. Making some Excel sheets and stuff on like payments and all. It's just it's annoying. Like like I said, it'll be fine. I borrowed the money. I'll pay it back. I wish they would cancel the loans, but if they're not going to, it is what it is. Um, mm-hmm. so it's just going to be annoying to figure it out because I just want them gone as quickly as I can. uh Can manage that. So of course, um, yeah, definitely not thrilled that they're starting back up shortly, but. Um, that is life. So, well, (laughs) our
0: buddy, uh, our buddy Joe Byron may, uh, you know, try a different law to, to, to go at it from. So, you know, there may be hope yet, Aaron, don't, don't, uh, don't despair. I mean, I'm not counting on any, I, and I know
1: there's probably tons of people who are pretty opinionated on it. Like I can manage with the payments. I'll be fine. Would I Mm -hmm. love to have them forgiven? Absolutely. Like, no doubt about it um but yeah it, it is what it is, so I'm not gonna gonna fret too much and if sure. uh if mr byron does uh does want to hook it up, then I'm all ears but uh but then my my seat for this week is Colleen and i um have been getting our lists together and everything for for wedding guests and all, and so we were just uh well mostly she put together our save the dates the other day. And so we're getting those ordered so that we can ship them off to to everyone. And also we're um, just excited about that. We're under a year now until the wedding by a few days that uh, this past weekend or past Friday, I guess was the like one year until. So, um, gotcha. Yeah, so it's just uh, exciting as we're getting closer, and so uh, about that time to send those
0: things out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's my uh, Rose Thorn and Seed for this week. That's very cool. So now, does a save-the-date count as an invitation, or does, like i don't know how weddings work these days is there like a formal invitation that then comes after is it yeah. like a multi-step process <laughs>
1: it's it's a multi-step process all to i to this, provoke, this is so silly. More money out of uh out of the <laughs> the wedding That's wild oh yeah
0: they've okay uh, so there's a save the date and then
1: yeah uh, and then
0: uh an invitation whoa okay so now here's the funny thing are there people that are gonna get a save the date but then no invitation like they don't make the second round of cuts i don't have anyone that i'm sending a save the date to that
1: i'm not inviting that'd be Um, funny so there there's the potential for it to go the other way like if there are people who like I wasn't sure, but then some people aren't able to make it or whatever. And it opens up like more room at the wedding or whatever. Then there might be people who didn't initially get the save the date that might get an invite. Um, maybe I'll uh, invite Joe Byron. You never know. Uh, but <laughs> he might be pretty slow getting there. Yeah. I mean, he could, I think he could move if he wants. Sure. Uh, it's It's all about how many of the his blockers he has there in front of him, right so. um, but yeah, anyway <laughs> um that it is a a process for just even inviting people to the wedding um, wild yeah, any i I will say it to anyone, but like weddings are a commercial scam to some extent. I think it's great and like I, I let in it's gonna be a blast. I like us having a nice wedding and doing doing the stuff that we want to for it and all. But just by adding the word wedding to anything, streamers, bags, like just anything you can think of, if you put wedding in front of it, it like triples the price. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's crazy. The the amount of things that they're just like Oh, yeah, like here, add wedding to it, and now we're gonna just like it it's it blows my mind anything flowers like flowers should not be as expensive as they are. it makes no sense how how expensive flowers are
0: sure, and then for like a for like a catering company, you know you could if you wanted to do like a basketball party let's say let's say ten entrees cost a thousand dollars. You know, same quality food, same ten entrees, but just because you're doing a wedding, they'd be like, "Oh, that's three thousand oh, yeah. Co- cocktail
1: hour hors d'oeuvres." Yeah, a hundred percent. Wild. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm am looking forward to it. It was fun. Um, seeing like the different pictures that Colleen put together to go on the save the date and all, and uh, tell her which ones. I was like, "Nope, I look weird in that." Uh, which was a lot, so we I was uh, gonna say, we narrowed we it. A, weird, a lot of them, yeah. So, uh, it took a little while to to narrow down, but um, but yeah, good things, exciting things. Uh, but
0: yeah, that's my rose thorn and seed. Well, damn, that's um, you, we learn something new every day, don't we? That's great. I mean, you um, knew it
1: in your heart clearly because you you called it out,
0: yeah, yeah, and it. It makes me sad that I that I was able to predict this. <laughs> but you
1: you learn uh yeah, you live and you learn, you learn something new every day. So you're just you're just growing in your wedding knowledge.
0: And you know, we're <laughs> just here for the party anyway. So who am I to judge? Um but Aaron, my rose here for the week. So we had a little bit of a well We had an old, um, what'd you call it? Like an old toy chest uh, as our um, sheet storage down at the office, Mm. and pretty old. um, So, like the top lifting mechanic like wasn't working that well, and like the wood was kind of splitting. But it was like, you know, it still kind of worked. So what was this holding? Uh, sheets for our massage oh, table. Oh,
1: sheets. I thought you said mm-hmm. seats at first, and I was like, that doesn't car make sense. Car seats. Yep, full <laughs> of car seats. I was thinking like folding chairs or something, sure. but e- either way uh, didn't make sense still.
0: Regardless, we broke this by using it a whole bunch, so we had mm-hmm. to, you know, we gotta get this repaired or, you know, find some way to save it or repair it or whatever, Um but this does mean you know, Sarah wanted to flex her antiquing muscles. You know, there's a couple of places that she likes, and she found uh, she found a nice like dresser set that has a bunch of drawers. It's like more mm. stand up, so we get more space and some now like um, I guess shelf space on the top of it, which is nice. We're able to kind of reorganize. We also had this like rug down there that's like been getting kind of old. We've had it down there for a while. It was like like noticeably the color has changed on it um Hmm. so we just like all right we can get this up out of here maybe like look to get a new one or whatever um so definitely some upgrades coming into the office you know it's it sucks to lose the toy chest but we gain more storage in the um in the dresser and like I talked about a while ago, we've been saving up for the um, for the speaker system in the ceiling. So we're oh, yeah. like mighty close to getting that and being able to get that installed. Nice. Um, we're like very close to that. So I think uh, some upgrades, uh, upgrades aplenty. So that's my rose here for the week. My thorn here, um, I have written down here, misplays and technicalities. We were playing some commander yesterday. GG's to everyone. I've got no hard feelings, but because of maybe some poor choices on on my part, I wasn't really kind of paying attention maybe at a key moment where a rules question went in the favor of Ian's board state as opposed to my board state and leads to like him him being able to eke out a victory win game three and was it like
1: was it kind of a ah, uh, it kind of like leans a little more this way than that way or was there a definitive answer of like how it oh no there out? was
0: there was a definitive answer and i think what's like frustrating is based on that answer there's like very little counterplay to what you could have done i would argue that it's i've thought about it it's one of the first rules in magic that i've come across where i'm i'm not sure i necessarily agree that based on other things it intuitively would work this way so like having to go to gather and look it up and then you find out like oh it works in this like kind of unintuitive way i was like what is going on here this is silly but when you actually like think about it and like the the plays prior to there would have been other places to interact like i even i even had a very like flippant comment after the match where i was like yeah i i think at a certain point like if you miss the point to interact it kind of sucks to suck like at a certain point, yes, the table can like kinda help and, you know, maybe slow play to make sure people can get in their plays, but at a certain point if you miss it, you miss it. You can't like really backtrack that far. So ultimately what I'm getting at is like while initially I thought I was mad at this like rule technicality thing, it's like, nah, if you look at the sum of the games, like you didn't play that great. And I think ultimately mm-hmm. that's what I was like, like, frustrated with is ultimately like, yeah, I didn't play that great. Hey, whatever, you yeah. can win a game, it doesn't matter. Oh, it's, um,
1: it's a hundred percent like that. I, that is the frustration that I feel with so many things when, mm-hmm. like, it's what I was talking about, uh, I think last week, maybe with video games, where I'm like, I know that I, play can play better than Mm -hmm. what I did and all and that frustrates me more than like getting beat by the other person I'm Mm -hmm. like by by being like oh that guy's bad I'm not always saying that like it's not always about him it's about like why did I lose to that guy Uh, I'm not saying that Ian's bad at magic either if uh, not transitive propertying it but uh um but just to to say, like, that is where I, I can feel your frustration with that. Because you look back oh, for and sure. you're just
0: like, yeah,
1: like, I I shouldn't have even been in this position kind of thing. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're in some ways, like, holding a mirror up where you actually think you're, you know, pointing out some, you know, uh, s- something wrong in the universe. Well, it's like, no, no, you uh, can just get good. Um, so that's my thorn that here for the little... week.
1: The rule still sucks though, I'm just saying. I don't even
0: know what this rule is, but <laughs> I'm hey, I'm I'm with you on that one. Bad rule. I'm out. The yeah. uh the seed here for the week. Just really looking forward to F1 next weekend. We have a race coming up, pretty sure next weekend, right? Uh yes. So yep. Nice. We'll in be the back. moment I was like, did I just do my math wrong? No, no.
1: I knew it was the last weekend in um August but then when I pulled up the calendar I was like wait a second is that yeah so the uh not this weekend but the following we will have the uh next race on the F1 calendar which is Netherlands at Zandvoort
0: mm-hmm so even uh even more reasons to be excited what i thought may have actually been a mirage is it true do we actually yes we do it is not a mirage that is in fact an oasis on the horizon the oasis of zanvort for an f1 weekend coming up next weekend not this weekend but next weekend This week, we've got for F1, we're going to talk a little bit about our predictions here for the kind of back half of the season, see if uh, we can come up with anything surprising that may happen, see if we can write the script in maybe any, any interesting way. But I think before that, we've got some quick hitters that we want to go through.
1: Absolutely. So I'll uh, I'll start it off pretty quick. But uh, Helio Castro Neves uh, is going to be stepping away from IndyCar as a full time driver uh, this coming year in 2024. Um, he has been driving for quite some time in uh, in IndyCar. I forget exactly how many years, but to say uh, the least, he was the Indy 500 winner in two thousand one, two thousand and two, two thousand nine, and then in twenty twenty one. So he is uh a tie for the most Indy five hundred wins of all time with four. Wow. Um so someone who's been uh been doing it since two thousand and one uh at least with the uh Indy five hundred win there. Um he he's been doing it for twenty twenty two years or so, which is extremely impressive to be competitive in a sport for that many years um but uh big congrats to him on a uh a great career as a a full-time driver and then uh of course he'll still be able to continue being a like uh additional entry for teams at certain races so he'll uh he's going to be driving for meyer shank racing at the Uh, indy 500 next year with a third entry for them so there's uh still opportunities for him to get out there and race i think that's a cool indy car thing compared to like f1
0: right where you still have the opportunity to like like do uh do a like a like a like a guest spot where you know if you're out of f1 you're kind of out of f1 if you're but if you're a reserve driver you're a reserve driver you know, if 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 something happens, you get in, but you're not just like you're not just like a floater, like an independent contractor. Yeah, extra
1: extra man on the grid, so a gun for hire. Yeah, exactly. So
0: that's um, exciting. Was Helio Castroneves? Was he at the 2023 Indy 500?
1: Uh He was. Yeah.
0: So he's he's raced
1: in it, I believe every i I would assume every year since he's been racing because he's been a full-time racer i believe the the whole time so okay um yeah i believe he would uh would have raced in it but he's been racing for if uh if this loads i can tell you how long um but nonetheless uh cool to to see him um going and uh, his first race was in 2001. So yeah. 20, okay. Wow. So 22, 22 years. years. Um, but yeah, pretty cool to see him, uh, get to take a step back, but still like participate in the sport overall. That's a, that's a cool thing.
0: Yeah. Very neat. Well, um, yeah, that's great.
1: But, uh, staying in the indie car vein a little bit, Alex Pelo, who we've talked about a little bit about, um, his kind of uh, domination of the IndyCar series so far um, along with his opportunities with um, McLaren uh, and all to get F1 uh, practice sessions and things like that. Um, and then of course him being a prospect for potential drive at Williams or AlphaTauri next year. Um, he has gotten into a little bit of uh some some contract uh tiffs and it kind of uh sprung back up just recently uh before this last week's race uh at the that they had in Indianapolis um but basically the the timeline of it was last year there was conversation of Alex Palou potentially leaving Chip Ganassi Racing going and racing for um, McLaren and all uh, in 2023. Um, mm-hmm. That then was disputed by Chip Ganassi Racing. They took Alex Polo to court. Eventually, he was like, yes, I'll like continue racing with Chip Ganassi after they did mediation or whatever with the, uh, the court case and decided to stay with Chip Ganassi Racing. So since then um, McLaren and Zach Brown have consistently continued to talk about like Alex Pelo being like a future part of the organization and like with the arrow McLaren team and all of this. Um, and basically Alex Pelo has now said that he is not planning to um uh, it, McLaren says that he had a contract with them uh, for 2023 that I guess also included 2024. So the expectation was uh, when his Chip Ganassi contract runs out at the end of this year that he would come and race for McLaren. They were trying to get him a year early and have him like break his contract essentially, I think.
0: So, McLaren Formula One or McLaren Indy Car? Indy Car, but Zach Brown okay. is the he is the like McLaren
1: Racing CEO. So you gotcha. Okay, both both ends Should, of the spectrum.
0: Gotcha. Okay, so then that saves me from asking the dumb question, which was going to be: so when was this in the timeline? With. The Piastri conversations, but they're mutually exclusive. They don't have anything anything to do with each other. I understand. Okay. Yeah. So, and, is the climate looking like now? Pello will indeed race for McLaren. So it's looking less
1: likely. And so Ooh. now, Zach Brown, who was on kind of the the winning side of the similar instance with Piastri uh, I'd last say year, so. where he. Was like, I'm not racing for Alpine. I don't have a contract with you. I have a contract with them. Um, Apparently, I guess part of the court case with Chip Ganassi and uh, their mediation and all, at some point it came up that Alex Pelot, in his contract with Chip Ganassi Racing, was not allowed to talk about or have any like contract negotiations with any teams before like X date. Okay, so like
0: anti poaching clauses basically and the
1: contract or agreement that he had moving to mclaren and all uh apparently those negotiations began before that date or whatever so alex Mm. Pelot has kind of i guess decided not to to move forward with mclaren based on what is uh rumored around and whatnot he hasn't announced what he's doing in 2024 yet but um okay it seems like it will not be with uh the Aaron McLaren team and so Zach Brown is of course pretty upset also having now he feels like he they've put a lot of money towards Alex Pelot, giving him opportunities with practice sessions in F1 and like all these different things um Kind of under this presumption of him being a part of the team, uh, to now uh, it sounds like potentially stay with Chip Ganassi Racing, um, with him, of course, doing very well with the team this year, having a lot of mm-hmm. success, uh, a number of race wins, leading the driver's standings and everything. So, um, the likelihood of him staying, I feel like, is decently high, uh, so yeah, there's it's uh interesting and it'll be um I'm curious to see how it shakes out, but it's uh kind of ironic I guess that McLaren in F1 was on the uh the kind of winning side of that and now seems to be on the the losing end in IndyCar.
0: Well, and you can understand like Zach Brown's frustration in that. You know, you've excuse me, you know you've made these arrangements, you you're thinking like a year and a half out in some way. um, And because of maybe some, I don't know the details, but with a young driver, wouldn't you imagine it's like, it's probably like a management issue to some extent. Yeah. Cause it, it sounds like
1: no one was fully aware that there was even this clause in the contract that he couldn't start. So like, it's not like that was told to McLaren, and they were like, "No, let's like skirt around the the edge here and and just mm-hmm. uh, kind of keep it on the down low." There was uh, they were kind of hung out to dry in this situation a bit. Um, whereas, I guess on the uh, the side with Oscar Piastri and Alpine, that was just Alpine got caught off guard by Alonso, and then were like. Well, this is our solution without actually solidifying anything first. Um, sure. So that Probably was a little mismanage, verbal. yeah, mismanagement on on Alpine's side there a little bit. Um, but, but yeah, it just a uh, a weird, wonky kind of situation with uh with that IndyCar um and Alex Pello's contract hmm. for for next year.
0: Well, looking forward to hear, you know, who is in what seat, um, you know, obviously those things aren't going to go on un- taking care of for long. They'll, uh, they'll figure it out pretty quickly to make sure someone's got to drive in their car. Um, oh, yeah. so yeah, we'll uh, look forward to see who the name is then.
1: Yeah. But, uh, someone who, who doesn't have a seat, but had an announcement, Nick DeVries this past week, uh announced that he is going to be, um, or he's planning to go to Harvard as his next, uh, next path. He wants to, to study, uh, negotiation and leadership or the, I guess the major, I I don't know if they're majors or the things he wanted to, to study at Harvard. So that is his, uh, his plan, not returning to racing immediately, at least. Um, so best of luck to him over at Harvard uh Harvard a modern day Elle Woods.
0: Yeah that's uh that's going to be exciting stuff you know I hear being an adult student can be just as tough as you know a student student yeah
1: tougher even
0: So It'll be even um, tougher
1: Yeah so uh best of luck to him there I just thought it was uh interesting I was like whoa Harvard like he just like if you're a celebrity, can you just like get it? Like I have no idea anything about his schooling or prior education just to be like, yeah, I've been racing my whole life and just racing only and then be like, yeah, I'm just going to go to Harvard. I was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) That's cool. Hmm.
0: Yeah. I'd be surprised what his formal education is, but based on like how he talks in interviews and the like, he seems like a pretty educated guy. I don't know. He's like, yeah.
1: oh, he, he he definitely does. But I mean, Harvard is not just like, uh, yeah. I'm just going like not anyone can just be like, yeah. I'm just gonna go to Harvard.
0: Um, I mean, it's it's a pretty solid extracurricular. You know, Formula then, One, and he probably aced his SATs. He probably knocked it out of the park. Must have something. Um, but uh,
1: looking at right. uh another, another former driver, Seb Vettel, uh, he, I guess was in an interview and he was talking about how, um, in last season, he actually drove himself to all of the European races, except for Baku and, um, uh, Silverstone, uh, Hmm. to try and like reduce his carbon footprint and everything. And I just thought, like, I thought it was interesting, uh, just in terms of F1 is trying to reduce emissions and everything they're talking about, like all of these ways to do it and whatnot. And Seb was out there kind of doing that. And it like, just, I, it kind of, in my mind, like pushed me more towards that. Like they really should rework the calendar a bit more and continue to rework it to kind of regionalize the sections of the calendar Uh if if sure. that's going to be the overall goal like with Seb it's one person it's a, a lot smaller impact than being able to do that with uh, with full teams and equipment mm-hmm. and trailers and all the uh the everything that the the circus that they carry around with them week to week instead of flying halfway across the country with it and back to go 2
0: hours away from where you were before that trip like well and then here's here's an interesting angle from the spectator point of view i imagine something all right so here's I'm going to go into the weeds, but I know you're going to like where I'm going. Okay. So, in, like, racing video games, when it was not, like, the circuit ones where you weren't, like, trying to pretend like you were these guys, like, the need for speeds or, like, the the ones that were, like, more arcade-focused. Okay. So, what would end up happening is you would, you would like explore like deeper into like the city you would like chunk it by like regions so then when you're at kind of like the end of the game you've unlocked a bunch of these other regions but you've also like completed like legs of a thing right Mm. so then if you go back and replay it it feels like you're doing it like in in chunks almost like a like a Act one, act two, act three. Yeah, you could, you know, if if you want to use like the the movie analogy. So I think from that perspective, if they were able to work the calendar where you really do, where you are racing very, very regionally for long periods of time, then it does begin to feel like, and you can start telling storylines in this same way of like the act one, the act two, and the act three. Mm-hmm. Because now, like, tracks already have, um, like mythos and legend and a little bit of, um, like more than real type feelings about them because of how many times you race and just, like, how, how much history is there. So imagine the kind of storytelling elements that get to be woven in in that, like, three act sequence where thou, I believe it would help fans understand a narrative about the overarching calendar better than how you, where you're alluding to like the back and forth across the country as far as like a narrative a a a competitive narrative that's really tough to follow. So I think it would be very interesting if they could kind of tighten everything up oh you you could access space.
1: yeah you could have like the you could call it like the pacific uh section of the calendar that has australia and like um australia japan china singapore Mm -hmm. all these all these races at a similar time than the like uh, I, I don't know what you would call the middle of the the calendar between like, I would say the Europe section, but you also have like the Middle East and mm-hmm. um, uh, potentially in the future, Africa uh, and whatnot. And then you could have the Americas where right. it's like North America, Central America, South America, you kind of travel down through from Canada down through the U S and uh, into into like Mexico, Brazil, and all, so it, it, yeah, I I definitely am with you. I think that's a that would be a cool way of doing the the storytelling and everything, and then you could end in Brazil just like everything's supposed to, because yeah. Brazil is a phenomenal track to to have at the end of the season. It's a it's such a a good track along with like the the potential for craziness with rain and whatnot.
0: Mm-hmm. Um great
1: circuit interlock. So, yeah
0: not only not only do you get the you know like you originally opened the conversation with with Seb Vettel and like gaining uh environmental advantage in some way but then you know my argument is then like well there's twofold is not only the environmental impact of it being all lumped together there's not so much boop 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 for like gas and oil and stuff it also i think makes just more sense kind of like logically but yeah mm-hmm. um i i'm i'm guessing by um what is it 2030 that'll be just one of the things that is just you know its it's a thing of the past formula one is now is now regional it's it all i i mean globe.
1: yeah that it would be uh it would be awesome if uh if they can do their part to to do that and everything um but I thought that was interesting or like kind of a cool thing that Seb did i mean, I saw a bunch of i'd say like glass half empty people in the the replies that were like okay, well he's driving his car and there was a seat on that airplane that was flying to x place anyway so now that airplane's still flying there and now he's just adding his car's emissions anyway and i'm like oh my god God, i was like it's like come on it's not that he's like that freed up a seat for someone else to fly or mm. whatever
0: else it's like it calmed down but uh yeah here's my take why can't we just race guilt free who cares
1: who I mean, cares we're past the tipping point anyway let yeah. it burn it's
0: boiling <laughs> dude like it is literally boiling i think <laughs> the um the uh, I've talked
1: about him before this guy who's a resident, one of my buildings, he's like out there. He's the, the um, chem trails guy that believes the government's poisoning us in the sky and all, but he, Yikes. I I've determined that he is just Kramer from Seinfeld. Like mm-hmm. he even has adopted and like knowingly adopted Kramer like I think he likes Kramer. Like Seinfeld. Like Kramer is his sure. favorite character. Sure. So does he, he does do
0: the like, like all the like zany bopping stum around.
1: A little bit, not too much, but he'll like when ever I get stuck in a conversation with him. Uh, and I say stuck because all I'll have to be doing is walking semi near him, and he'll like tr- like grab me for something. But he'll, hell yeah. at the end of the conversations he'll go giddy up and like walk away. That's how he like ends conversations. And, oh yeah. Uh, but he always says, "Let it burn." <laughs> <I'm> like, gotcha. <laughs> so uh, yeah, just let it burn. The earth, it's done. Let's just race guilt-free.
0: Who cares? Yeah. yeah. Just a little gas it's just a little gas it's just a little rubber you know yeah so um but on a uh on a lighter
1: note um there is conversation at the moment the 2028 summer olympic games are going to be held in los angeles or i guess it is uh los angeles is a candidate for locations or i don't know how far ahead they these things are decided um, okay but there's the potential for motorsport to be included in the 2028 Olympic Games. Um, I don't know exactly how they would do it, but I saw this uh, come out, and I think it would be interesting uh, because I I really would love to know how they are going to um, have all the best drivers from each country compete and I really just want to see Nikita Mazepin in
0: any vehicle that they're willing to give him. So, Uh, (laughs) I'm going to venture to guess that Nikita Mazepin would win gold in every event that he was entered in, but what concerns me more is like... I haven't watched the Olympics for a while now. It's not something that like really doesn't really gets me going. Attention. But it like every year they're just adding more and more events, and I think they're just trying to like.
1: <laughs> but they they also subtract events sometimes too. It's not always a like gotcha. Uh, like I think. Briefly, wrestling was removed. Um, I think gotcha. softball was removed at one point. That can um, stay gone, in my opinion. <laughs> there's like, there's always conversation of like some sports going out, some coming in, mm-hmm. uh, and everything. But I think that they are open to there being more than there used to be, just in sure. terms of like what people consider athletic pursuits i think skateboarding was in it uh recently um this last summer olympics
0: it, there was i don't like... give a shit about the olympics until my boy faker is there <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey
0: at least uh
1: at least over um with china korea and i think japan may be included they have the asiatic games that includes uh all these esports so they just have they oh, have let's something go.
0: That's exciting. Yeah, and, and and the World Olympics just needs to get on board and realize that they are sports. the pinnacle.
1: I mean, do they want to just throw a sport in that there's a guarantee? Well, I guess it's not a guarantee what country would win. I was going to say Korea, but then China is... Uh,
0: yeah, I think China and- has just as many many titles as Korea at this point. They may have more. Yeah, it might uh might just
1: not have um enough teams from different countries.
0: I don't okay, know. You're if, thinking um, about like real limitations here.
1: Oh yeah, like I don't okay. know if um if a matchup between um South Korea and
0: Zimbabwe is gonna be much to uh <laughs> to really keep an eye on. I mean, what do you mean? That'd be like DRX versus Team Liquid.
1: Yeah, not much
0: to keep an eye on. (laughs) Right. So, uh,
1: but yeah, when Faker's in the Olympics, Justin's back in, motorsport won't even draw his attention. Um, (laughs) But looking at F1 a little bit, uh, Red Bull, um, Helmet Marco was talking about their engine progress for 2026. We talked about this thought that Renault was kind of behind and helmet Marco comes out and says, no, Renault is behind, but also Audi and Ferrari are miles behind us as well. And Mercedes is like up there with us. So um, any conversation, I guess about uh, Red Bull um, not being up there and prepared for that 2026 powertrain um they are they are vehemently shutting down similar to when carlos sainz was like no 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 i am only committed to ferrari ferrari is number option 1 2 and 3 definitely haven't talked to anyone from audi no no sir uh so who knows what the uh the actual um <laughs> like results are with the red bull powertrain right now i feel like helmet marco um talks a lot and then uh is not always being being the most straightforward with his uh mm-hmm. with his answers. I mean, yes, Nick DeVries has until until the
0: summer break and he's gone. So um <laughs> I think Helmet Marco feels like just an inflammatory like Twitter account where he Red Bull just uses to like just say like hot takes. And nobody's gonna like <laughs> give this old guy flack. So it's it's basically it's... like a bulletproof vest that Red Bull can hide behind.
1: Well well the thing is they, they everyone will give him flack, but because he does it so much it's kind of like when when Trump was the president. It was like Ooh. it was like you get so used to just all the crazy things that he's saying or that are happening and everything going on that you're just like it becomes mundane. So people are like, "Oh, that's just Helmut Marco doing his thing." Like, "Ah, oh, that zany guy." Um I'm just so curious like I would love to hear from the inside, like the decisions and directions that he points the team and the things that he does to like progress their success. Like, like I'm, I'm not saying I'm, I know that those things are there. Like they have to be, he wouldn't be in this position if he was like doing nothing beneficial for the team. But, like, the only things that I ever see are, like you said, just him being, like, an inflammatory Twitter account, where it's, like, every, like, interview quote I see is him just trashing someone else (laughs) or, like, including... just,
0: like, trolling the journalist.
1: Including his own drivers. He's, like, talked so much trash on Checo this year about how, like... And things that I've seen, um, it, like, I I very rarely, the only, like, thing that I can distinctly think of that has been, like, a Helmet Marco, like, this is how he's shown his success or whatever, is the fact that he offered Max the the Toro Rosso seat and kind of sniped him away from Mercedes. Uh into the red bull program and that was years ago yeah like that's the only story that i've heard of a definitive thing that he took action on to and like i said i'm sure there's like tons of things that he's a part of behind the scenes or conversations about like directions of the team and decisions but i would love to know what they are because all i hear is like what i'm imagining is like him christian horner the the red bull like board or or executives or whatever sitting there around the table, and they're like ah yes yes our um our engine we've we've got good results for twenty twenty six so far from all reports it sounds like we're we're even with Mercedes and that uh Audi and Renault and uh and Ferrari have kind of fallen back from us like it looks like we've got a i don't know fifteen horsepower advantage, and helmet Marco walks out of the board meeting and like Bumps into a journalist outside the the Red Bull factory, and they're like, "Oh, helmet! What's going on?" And he's like, "We're miles ahead of (laughs) Red Bull and and Audi and and Ferrari." It's just like all the other things that like were discussed and like the conversations about everything. Oh, our our uh, electric, our battery is like really just holding charge well the the transfer of that into the power systems like everything seems good with the new components yada 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 and he's just like we're way better than ever yes
0: we're not <laughs> contributing not much that's
1: just the the like the outer uh or outside perspective that i have of him and so it's just a very entertaining thing for me to kind of wonder what goes on behind the scenes
0: oh dude when you were asking like what like what do you do here like what does he do i was just getting big office space vibes of the conversation with the bobs and he's like no no i bring the specs from the customer to the engineers they're like why do we need you they're like what do you do here God damn, dude. That is so funny. But yeah, I imagine Helma Marco is effectively just their social media manager. Uh,
1: Basically. give us the
0: hottest takes possible.
1: Or it's just the social media manager just asking him all these questions to just send to the nearest news source uh, just to to get people riled up. But um, (laughs) uh, looking at some... uh, F1 contract things. It is rumored uh that Lewis has re-signed with Mercedes Shocker. Um, but an interesting no thing that came out with this was apparently uh Ferrari, the company's president, reached out to Lewis directly, um as an attempt to uh to woo him to bring him over to uh Ferrari and It sounds like uh, I I mean Ferrari won him. He's not even that good. I mean uh, that's kind of a a pretty cool move from Ferrari's side. It's not just like Fred Vassar being like, "Oh yeah, Lewis, like, like you're having a great year, like, love to talk to you about." He's like Ferrari's president is like, "I'm picking up the phone on this one." Like that's a that's a pretty cool thing for lewis to be able to be like yeah like they don't even try to come at me with like any of the the like preliminary people we're going straight to
0: the top if people want to want to come to me about a contract maybe it's just straight up silly to him. maybe he doesn't even care he's like why do they think they can take me away my loyalty is is steadfast i mean you could say that, but
1: at the same time, money talks, conversations about kind of the the prospects for the team definitely play a part where um I mean we saw for Fernando Alonso leave Alpine to go to Aston Martin because his conversation with Lawrence Stroll about the the team's kind of trajectory and plans and everything. Hmm. Um so I don't know. I, like I think uh, if you're going to have a shot at stealing Lewis away from Mercedes, you gotta kind of go big or go home. And I, I feel like that was a a pretty uh, impressive little uh, name drop from the Ferrari team to be like, "Hey,
0: can you give this guy a call for us?"
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean.
1: It's like in the first Tom Holland Spider-Man movie where he um, his buddy says, oh, Peter knows Spider-Man. And then is like, you got to come to go to this party and show up as Spider-Man and be like, yeah, I'm best friends with like trying to name drop big. Ferrari is like, yeah, let's have our president call him.
0: And my argument is like, yeah, yeah, who the fuck is that guy though? You know what I mean? He's the money guy. I guess. I guess, but it's just like what could what can this team who has not won anything ever recently? Like what can they offer Mercedes? Like I I I cannot believe that even the president of Ferrari could like hold up the like their results pad to Lewis and have him be impressed.
1: Maybe, maybe all he was was the checkbook guy being at the top, being like, we
0: will give you anything. What's your number? What's your number, Lewis?
1: Yeah. So I, I don't know. I I agree with you on that aspect. Like, what is he going to be able to speak to the the team's success and future and everything? But I feel like it's uh still a pretty pretty nice card to be able to to throw down
0: um, I think you're missing my point. I'm saying if that card doesn't net you the thing that you wanted, it's like uh, okay, I get what you mean, but like then it's just how ace in the hole is it if like even that guy well, just gets hung up on, he's just like, oh.'
1: But I mean, then, <laughs> you know, like, so you're just saying it's just like no one should attempt to like talk to Lewis about contract negotiations because you just have to assume at this point that he is a Mercedes lifer at, for
0: the rest of his career. Is that like because I, I mean, when you frame it that way, I I actually uh, like agree with you no you can't just because that's you, why i'm like I the think attempt is worthy you, is what you're saying
1: yeah like you you have to go for it and if you're gonna like try like you kind of gotta go big because that's that's okay good. like he would be your
0: best shot if
1: right like uh, I mean, right. I'm sure all right i'm yeah, cuz I'm sure like just from around the grid Lewis probably has plenty of conversations with people from other teams that he's known over the years who have bounced around and engineers mm-hmm. and just like casual conversations not getting like fine details from these other teams or anything but um I'm sure he like has a pretty good picture of a lot of the grid and like what those what's going on around so okay. so yeah, if you're gonna like try and woo him, like you you kind of gotta send it because uh, he's probably already got a decent idea of uh, of where things are for for the most part um, in terms of like success and like um, how the teams are like go how competitive the teams are going to be.
0: Sure and And you're saying that if anybody would be able to seal that if deal for would. Ferrari, it would be the guy that could make any decision he wanted could offer right up, and okay, like the biggest name it.
1: in like biggest name in racing, like biggest yeah, guy yeah. on the biggest name like it's kind of convinced me
0: yeah
1: it's kind- but i i do I do get that it's like on the side of like what can he actually do to him it's like eh there's, there's probably not a lot but right um but name recognition uh in itself is is something but um looking at some of the other seats and we'll we'll kind of talk about this as we get into the drivers um mm-hmm. but uh of course Mick Schumacher is still coming up in plenty of conversations as a potential candidate, uh, particularly for Williams with the Logan Sargent seat, the the ties with Mercedes and all Williams mm-hmm. having those ties with Mercedes. It's going to keep coming up as a conversation point. Personally, um, I don't think Logan Sargent has been bad enough to just drop him out. I think he should get another uh, another year, but either way. Um it's not like he's uh stood out like Piastri where I'd be like, Why'd he get dropped?
0: So Right. Yeah, I think like Uh, it feels like I'm on the fence in some ways. It seems like based on how rookies have been performing in the, in like the recent couple of years, yeah, it does seem like they need a little bit of warm up time, a little bit of lead time, like to, 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 to learn. But Mm -hmm. then the other side of it is like, yeah, yeah, but look at Piastri and what if the answer is be ruthless with these cuts so then you can just filter to the next piastri that's going to be able to hop into the car and go yeah that that's fair i think <clears throat> i i think
1: my concern would be there've been plenty of drivers throughout the history of racing and f1 and everything that i'm sure had mediocre first years and didn't really impress people and then really progressed a lot. There of course are going to always be standouts the the Lewis Hamiltons and um Oscar Piastri, Max Verstappen, some of the, the rookies who have had like success or found podiums, wins, things like that in their first years of racing. But I would say mm-hmm. that's not like the norm necessarily. Um no. and so on a side of like Okay, say Logan Sargent. Say you go, oh, nah, let's uh we're not gonna give him a second year, and he goes to race an IndyCar car or something like that, and all of a sudden starts having a lot of success. He's like driving really well, doing a doing a nice job, climbing up the standings over there. Like it's not just a flip of a switch and like, oh yeah, let's get him back into F1 kind of thing. Like there are now all sorts of like hoops and things to jump through. I feel like that kind of should play a part or maybe does play a part in team's thought process as well. It's like, well, if we let this guy go who wasn't really bad, but wasn't really like a star, who's going to set, like you kind of could get into a cycle of up, Try this guy for a year, up, didn't allow us, boom, gone. <laughs> Try another guy, and you get into this like cycle of just right. Where you're not being patient enough. Yeah. And so, like, I think from his side, like, he hasn't early races, he was struggling for sure. Like, looking, he, uh, I mean, back of the grid consistently. Uh, um, uh, since Williams has brought some upgrades and all he's been like solid, like he's not too far off Albon. He's almost had points a couple of times looking like he's, uh, he's able to handle the car a bit better. And so maybe that progress could continue and, and all and move in the right direction without, um, if, if you hang on to him a little longer, um, but at the same time, if Williams really feels like someone is head and shoulders above, I just don't know if Mick Schumacher is, I don't think Mick was a bad driver by any means. I could see him driving an F1 again, but I don't know if he's this like standout that I'd be like, yeah, Logan Sargent is like just way behind Mick Schumacher, so let's bring him back in. If you get the opportunity at Alex Pillow, if that could happen for him to come into Williams, that's another story. Right. So where you've got like a leader of another championship
0: like competitive
1: series coming in.
0: That's one So your thing hinges on like who the next available field is and if like if you just have a class of studs yeah i mean i think you try out as many of them as possible because like then it's just a numbers game but sure if you're like worried about who's gonna take the seed and like f two's looking really like dry there's nobody that's you know whatever sure yeah you just like train this guy up and that's fine and then because what do they do in like i mean even in esports they do it And, and sports you actually gain value even if you don't want to use them long-term you have value in like you have trade value away having like an experienced driver um so you like you can build a little equity that way um so yeah these things i understand which is why i say like yeah i'm kind of on the fence on it because something you said really sticks out i don't think he's been bad enough as like a Devries compared to sonoda um So, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. But I guess my expectation there would be like, yeah, he probably sees the end of the year. But I would not be surprised if uh, not back for 2024.
1: Yeah, I mean, if uh, if the opportunity to really get a a driver that is they really believe is solidly and consistently better than him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, go for it. Um, You're you are kind of trying to work your way up the grid as Williams and all, and if you can get another solid driver next to Alex Albon as the team's continuing to improve and all. It just builds uh on that a bit more. But
0: um And I heard go is looking for a drive too. So like you may have upgrades coming your way. Well he's the um he's
1: that extra entry that we just need in F1. Um to to
0: shake things up a little bit, keep sure. people on their toes. Sure, just pull out that safety car right when it matters. Or just like,
1: and Latifi is just ignoring blue flag. <laughs>
0: ooh, ooh, isn't it so hard to get behind me or in front of me? Ooh, <laughs> look at me in this
1: in this uh, this back marker. Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna take the racing line. <laughs> 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 uh but to to look at the um the expectations for for the second half of the season here Let's in f1 it. um just uh i guess the the easiest place to start would be uh just from 10 uh and work our way up so with alpha Tower, uh we've got Daniel ricardo and yuki Sonoda. so um why don't you uh hit us with your expectations for for the team or did you lay it out by team or did you lay it out by driver or
0: um i kind of did so like for each team i kind of have like a driver like expectation and kind of like a team expectation almost so like for alpha towery i say i honestly i think going into the second half of the year And I know you disagree with me on this, but I think they shoot themselves in the foot with their signing of Daniel Ricciardo. It is so high profile of a, like, signing. All eyes are going to be on Daniel Ricciardo every weekend, and that car is going to give him dog shit. So I'm so concerned that, like, the amount of undue negative pressure is going to mount here in the second half of the year for Alpha AlphaTauri and mm-hmm. whatever they're going to do with it. Most likely the team just like ignores this kind of stuff and they don't care. They have their own goals internally and whatever, but just from the outside, it feels like yes, they are a team that's looking ahead to, you know, 2024. And I think on a fresh start, the Daniel Ricardo Yuki Sonoda lineup looks so good, so promising. Let's go. Start of the year, I'm excited. But dude, Daniel Ricardo is just cleaning up some other some other people's mess and trying to like fit in. So, I really, really do not envy his position and I'm just curious about this move. Um and and <clears throat> does it affect their progress at all does it not hinder them and they're able to make good progress with daniel ricardo and it ends up being like a good thing like that's that's actually what i hope for um just something about it feels pinky to me okay i
1: i can uh i can get on board with that a bit i think my um my perspective with it a little bit. And so like my kind of expectations, I I would love to see um, Yuki and Daniel both just get back into the points for a couple of races, just one or two okay. points. I'm not even necessarily looking for them to compete to get out of 10th in the constructors there. Uh, they have three points to the first half. They're six points back from Alfa Romeo based on results don't know if it's going to happen but i would love to to see them uh, that's kind of my hope for them um mm-hmm. i think that it has uh that the move with Daniel Ricardo though has uh kind of the balance to it a little bit so i'll i'll say with alpha tower i i agree to uh with you a lot, where this does bring a lot of eyes on them and the conversation week in and week out. If they don't start to progress, is going to be man Daniel Ricardo back, but he just can't do anything with that tractor of a car, and it's just like going to be just alvatari is just going to get blasted as a as a team. Um, but I think on on Danny's side the. Getting, I think he probably recognized during his time outside of F1 that especially with this coming year having a lot of drivers already being signed and things like that going on, that his opportunity to get a racing seat back in F1 was going to be a small small opportunity potentially yeah for 2024 there's not mm-hmm. a lot of seats open um so for him to be like yeah I'll, I'll slide in right now and and take this and I think oh, it's yeah. the right move for him in mm-hmm. terms of mm-hmm. like potentially uh continuing his F1 career I think if he had been out for um the 2024 season as well as 2023 that just kind of would probably cut the cord a bit and just leave him off the F1 grid yeah for the future as well. Um, yeah, this think, makes
0: sense to me as well.
1: I think on on his side it's good, but I, I do agree with you with uh the AlphaTauri team uh potentially not looking as hot uh with that signing. Um so I I feel you on that, but uh but let's move over to Alpha Romeo the other mm-hmm. alpha on the grid with uh, Joe Guan Yu and Valtteri Bottas. Um, I think the biggest thing for me with, uh with Alfa Romeo is I just want Valtteri to look like he's trying. Like I, I feel like he has just kind of disappeared to some extent throughout the first half of the season. I don't, mm-hmm. I have been very unimpressed with his drives. Joe has been like ahead of him decently consistently. Uh it feels like throughout the the season so far, um just 1 point Joe's just 1 point behind him in the uh driver standings, but I feel like overall Joe has been like at least equal with Valtteri if not a little bit ahead in the first half um so my my biggest thing is for Valtteri to really like look like himself and start um start going for overtakes and not just kind of getting into these like zones of just no man's land where I feel like I I never I don't hear his name at all because he's not getting passed by anyone he's not passing anyone he's just lingering in that. 15 to 18 range on the grid and uh yeah just going around doing doing not too much so i w- i would love to see him uh improve and and look a bit more like the driver that um i i s- started to realize the the good driver that he is that uh that i didn't um
0: I didn't cherish as much when he was on Mercedes. We didn't know what we had until it was gone. Exactly. But yeah nine points between the two Alfa Romeo drivers is, is not really what you want to see. And, and you, you kind of hit the nail on the head with, uh, with Valtteri here. I, my note is, is very similar. I say, I hate to, see, I hate to see Valtteri not in a progressive system. He, he just feels like he's subordinate to the current, to the weekend. He kind of just yeah. like, feels like he's a jellyfish. Yeah. It he's doesn't just feel like, like out
1: there. He's like, the car will do what the car will do. And then right. he, Wraps it up, takes his P15,
0: and heads on down the road. Yeah, I mean, it is unfortunate just because it feels like Alfa Romeo isn't moving forward really at all. Obviously, they're like they're they're keeping pace with the back end of development. Obviously, they're not like being raced off the grid or whatever, but they're definitely not um, not pushing the envelope you know like I said a, a progressive system moving forward so yeah I would love to just see an enlivening of Valkyrie specifically but also from the like let's look at Joe Guan Yu uh, he's really getting the benefit of a I mean, do you use the word like slumping, Valtteri, or is it just like kind of the vehicle he's in, and he's like actually doing his best, or is there some kind of like checked outness to his performances? It's tough to say, but like if you're if you're a Zhou Guan Yu, uh, your drives are looking pretty fucking great Um, compared to this guy. You know, if you're able to out qualify him on some weekends, finish higher than him on some weekends. um, you know, the conversation for you gets like a lot better as far as like marketability, moving yourself up the grid. So I think Alpha Romeo has like two maybe conflicting tales going on inside their, their team to um, maybe two different drivers mm-hmm. that they could be utilizing just like way better in some way.
1: Yeah, I, and it's uh, looking at the two of them side by side, Valtteri has finished ahead. Uh, seven times to Joe's four. Joe had one DNF, so okay. I didn't count that one in. Um, gotcha. But still, like Joe has two finishes that uh, two ninth places. Valtteri has an eighth and a tenth. Like it's he, each guy has only been in the points twice. Um, so I would say it. It I think is a little bit of the car not being phenomenal and maybe Joe driving pretty decently consistently mm-hmm. and bouncing and maybe something a bit but but yeah I, I re-energized I think is a is a good way to to put it I think I'd like to to see that um in the second half and uh looking at Haas I think that is a similar similar kind of feel that I have for them um particularly particularly with Kevin Magnuson um Kevin has Like, kind of done the same thing as Valtery. He qualifies okay and then he races and packs it up and goes on to the next one. Um, I think Nico, uh, on his end, has impressed a lot, obviously, in qualifying. He's looked really good. He's gotten uh, real into Q3 a number of times um, Mm -hmm. and has had some pretty high starts. I think maybe a P4 start this year earlier um he, it might have been a sprint race I mm-hmm. I think that he had that but um I think from from so from him I I I'm pretty content with how Nico's done the first half of the season I think he's had a uh, solid drive he's put his car in qualifying like good qualifying position um but the car just hasn't been able to to give him what he needs to do that in races uh and so from Haas I just Really want them to to work on some of the things that they have said publicly that they're working on with their tire degradation and things like that, so that they can give a better race pace to Nico, who's having a, a what I would say a solid year in the car that he has, and then hopefully Magnussen picks it up uh, along with the team in the car um, and gets himself uh, kind of in caught up a little bit to to how uh Nico's been doing qualifying and qualifying and all.
0: Yeah, no, that's like that's a great point because I think Haas is actually very close to having competitive Sundays. Um I think it was in Belgium you heard Gunter Steiner talking about the um uh breakthroughs in development where they kind of cracked the overheating issue and the degradation issue for the tires um where they're now like being able to work on that issue so as far as like expectations going into the second half like i'm actually thinking these issues may be um remedied or like on the way to improving so i actually think that halkenberg like if you look at it this way is going to be ahead of magnuson where if like a bunch of performance is about to open up um then yeah we're gonna see likely even more of a um uh like a a a gap between the two um so yeah Yeah. if those if those like developmental changes come which i I believe that we will see um a different Haas mm-hmm. in the Netherlands. I I hope it'll be that stark. Um yeah, I think Magnussen is going to be looking pretty far behind Hulkenberg in that scenario. Yeah, so he definitely will um will have to make up that gap. Uh either way, I think
1: um his qualifying needs improve cuz Nico is clearly set showing that that car consistently in that one lap pace is there. Um, so he's, he's definitely got to pick up off, uh, off that a bit. Um, looking over at Williams, what are your, your thoughts and feelings on, on the Williams boys for the second half?
0: Well, Albon continues to be like one of the most interesting drivers on a weekend. I think he is like continually is putting up these performances where people are like, huh, Alex Albon, he's like pretty good at this. Right. Um, that just seems to be weirdly like every weekend we just like forget. Um, it, so
1: it's starting to make me wonder if the car is actually as bad as like I imagine in my mind for him to be able to like, and not that Albon's not a good enough driver to sure. do that, but like the Williams is starting to be there consistently enough right. that it's right. like. Ah, is it? Is, and I think the the current P seven and the constructors kind of speaks to that a little bit, big time. Um, even though they're pretty far off Alpine, but I'm like, I'm like, I, I don't know if it's as bad as as I'm have it in my mind from from the recency bias of recent
0: years. I was I was going to say that, um, but yeah. Then I think most of our conversation around Sergeant, you know, I think we kind of covered, mm-hmm. um, you know. I expect him to stick around at least till the end of the year, but you know, past that I'm I'm not sure I could speak to it. But yeah, I just expect to see Albon kind of impress. I don't see his you know, to use this to use this very vague term, I don't think his form is um going to shift. So if the yeah. Williams improves, Albon will just be making the best of it. Yeah, he. I, I think
1: he's he's been consistent and consistently good. Like he's he's driving the car to a high level, um, and and doing it pretty much week in week out. Um, yeah, and with Logan, I I think my hope for him more. We talked about expectations and thoughts and all about that, but I I just I would love to see him get a point. Just go go snag one. So there you go. Uh, so that's why I would like to see uh see from him, but. Yeah, the Williams they're they're going to continue to develop the car as well. I think um it's not in a terrible spot um at the moment, but hopefully they can uh kind of build on on where they're at so far uh and the progress they've made, but uh moving over to Alpine and uh Ocon and Gasly. Um I think for me the I just I don't want to see them crash into each other. I, I don't want I want the the reliability from both driver standpoint and car standpoint to to improve. Um I think my expectation for how they're I, I don't expect them to move up or down in the driver's standings. I don't think anyone below them could catch them necessarily at this point in time. Uh, in the season based on the point gap from Mm. 57 to 11 with Williams and, uh, and Haas Um, and uh, I guess 46 point gap ahead of them to McLaren. Um, But I, I think they've shown a little bit of progress with the car um, and I, yeah, that reliability not having these hydraulic issues or, teammates not seeing each other issues uh, Mm. would would definitely just be good for them can to continue to improve the car and try and get back to um that more competitive midfield point uh that i feel like they were at last year a bit more
0: yeah i think i would tend to agree it does feel like most of their struggles have come from like just just things that I think any team or drivers would be open to when you are continually trying to race like in in the middle of the pack that's where a lot of your race starts are um so unfortunately I think some of it is just up to where their car is on the grid it's just like inherently more dangerous in that way like you're you're prone to more like errors in that way just because it's you don't have as much uh free space you could say mm. um so some of that is you know um i don't want to say to be expected but we'll say like kind of kind of priced in but then that brings me to like my expectation which is i eh, I want to see their like just fundamentals improve where mm. you want to see them, like you're saying, like not taking each other out of races. Cause ultimately that contributes to, um, the amount of points possible being way less they had two weekends in a row of a double dnf like those are just massive possible points that you're missing out on and it like you've effectively done in a 23 race season you you only have 21 races where everybody yeah. else has like for the most part, giving themselves the opportunity to get a lot of points. I understand everybody can DNF, but two back to back four opportunities total. Um, I expect these things to not happen, I think is my expectation. And I expect the the fundamentals maybe to improve, maybe the preparation to improve a little bit better um, and not be so scrappy in some way. Maybe understand their position and just like just keep their head down and do the safe thing, not the the exciting thing.
1: Yeah. And, and like I said, they are in a uh, kind of no man's land. Like I don't think they have uh, the potential to catch up to McLaren ahead or really to fall behind the teams behind. So like, they shouldn't be having those kinds of issues. Right. There, there is to some extent, the pressure is kind of gone. Like, There's not pressure pressure really coming from either side because it is sort of in all expectations out of reach on both sides. So like that should alleviate that and let them just have uh, a bit more straightforward of a drive where they're like, Mm. okay, I know what the car can do this week. I know where I should be. And like you said, not make the uh, um, kind of, the more exciting, or uh, do you say exciting move?
0: Or no, no, I said like they should make the the, the safe choices yeah, the safe in those scenarios up. rather than like the exciting choice. Right, yeah,
1: instead of the exciting choice. So, uh, so yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Um, I think my, uh, moving over to McLaren, my expectations for them, um, may surprise you. I think that McLaren may be the only team on the grid who could potentially take a race win off Red Bull without some catastrophic something happening to uh to Max or Checo's car. Um, okay. I I think that it would be track and weather specific potentially if if it were to happen. Um but I have not seen enough from the other teams around Red Bull uh, to think that they are going to make that leap to challenge them outright um, for race wins at all that mm-hmm. I feel like I, we got to see from McLaren for the last couple of races at the end of the first half where they were not only able to beat the Red Bulls out and qualifying in a couple of occasions, but also to be ahead of them in the races and Mm -hmm. hold them behind for uh, a a small amount of time. And so uh, I think that with, uh, especially with Red Bull shifting their focus on development to the next year's car and everything and uh, more so, and then with McLaren's progress. I think that my expectation or maybe not expectation, um, but I think that they are going to continue to, to impress in the second half. Um, They're a bit far to catch anyone ahead of them in the standings, but based on some of the points finishes they've had recently, it's not entirely out of reach for them. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I think that, they may be the only car that has that, that shot.
0: Yeah. I mean that, that sounds, that sounds about right to me, honestly. Um, yeah. Based on their, their pace towards the, you know, before the break was mighty impressive. I think the only thing I would add to that is um, I would expect uh, Piastri to get a podium here in the back mm-hmm. half. if, uh development continues in the way and uh the drivers stay as um frosty as they have been yeah i don't see it going any other way um and maybe that just kind of speaks to your point um if you know piastri's getting a podium where's norris right so uh yeah i'm just expecting good things from mclaren just all around in the in the back half of the season they're gonna be very exciting to watch Yeah. And a a good point about Piastri too. I think he,
1: uh, I, I, it, it sort of slipped my mind that he didn't get a podium because of how well he's driven the last couple and the, um, the P2 in the sprint race, I think. Right. Like, but a, a real podium, um, in the second half. I like that. Um, looking over to Ferrari in fourth in the constructors championship right now um i think from them i like it's it's kind of tough to say other than with still team strategy and pit stops and things like that the like real just like those Mechanical kind of elements of the race and just mm-hmm. doing them right consistently. I, I don't have a lot of areas where I am expecting them to like, or, or I need them to improve. I think Carlos and and Charles are both driving pretty pretty well. Um, I don't think either one is performing poorly. I think the car just doesn't have the straight line speed or cornering speed that some of the cars ahead of them do. I, I just think that it's more of a a car issue and, and hopefully the team can continue to improve it. But I don't imagine them having... As you get higher and higher on the grid, I feel like there is less opportunity to make big leaps, kind of like McLaren did. McLaren was finishing 15th, 16th, 17th. They made some improvements so that they are competing. And so it's easier to make that jump over the middle than for them to make, for Ferrari to make those small gains kind of at the top. Um, I think Mm -hmm. I expect them to maybe surpass Aston Martin in the constructors if Aston Mm -hmm. Martin continues their current kind of trajectory uh, after the start of the season. Um, But from the driver's side, I I think Carlos and and Charles are are driving very well. They're doing the best they can in the car. Um, Signs can maybe stay out of uh, some of the little kerfuffles at the starts of races a little bit better. Um but other than that, um I, I think they're they're looking pretty pretty solid, uh at least from the driver's side.
0: Yeah, I think um I think you're right. Unfortunately, the issues with Ferrari, I don't think lie with the drivers or even like reliability. Um like we talked a lot in 2022 about Ferrari's reliability and the amount of races that these drivers didn't finish just because of uh just like engine problems and um and other just mechanical issues. What I think we're seeing happening more often than not is these strategy slash audible calls that need to be made during the race that are going so do you remember there was this weird time in league of legends where like coaches were just being integrated into the infrastructures and you mm-hmm. just had these weird moments where you knew you knew players were ignoring oh 100 like, percent. it was a
1: conversation about which players you would want to sign for a roster because there were players that you were like oh, that guy's got a big head. He's just going to do what he wants to. He's just going to lock in what he wants to right. instead of, right. yeah, oh, absolutely. Like that's so, what Lemon, yeah, yeah. Lemon Nation's notebook was like revolutionary because teams never planned out their drafts and stuff, at least in the North American LCS sure. uh,
0: before that. So and 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 this is the kind of thing that I'm talking about where like you can go over a million and one times like what mm-hmm. the activation is going to be but something happens somebody decides that that was wrong and and so they pivot whether it's the mm-hmm. the pit wall or or Carlos or Leclerc whatever goes wrong What it feels like is a almost like a trust issue in some way. That's
1: exactly what I was going to say. A lack of trust on both ends. Like the drivers don't trust the The team to make the right decisions and the pit wall doesn't necessarily trust that they're making the right decisions. Right. Like, or that the driver will listen.
0: Right, so now you see why I bring up the like the the pick ban phase in League of Legends because it does feel very much like that. Like, nah, nah, like I don't trust these guys. Like, I'm locking in the champ that like I I know I can win the game with. Yeah. So, I think it's going to come down more of like a like a top down type of thing where, looking at the team principal element, you know they bring Fred Vassor in. Um I think there is still some uh, realigning of the structure that's going on while all these new team members are, like, learning how to work with each other and how they like their race Sundays to go and this and that. Like, it honestly, like, feels like a lot of growing pains for like a new organization that's what it feels like we're watching from ferrari and i don't know like what percentage is is new or old or whatever but i mean i we yeah we agreed on the same thing you get the same sense it feels like a trust issue oh
1: big time and i think um maybe for the second half of the season i would just like to see I, I don't know. May, maybe some improvements on the like the strategy calls or some cohesiveness there, like, smoother,
0: calm. Yeah, like
1: the um, it it's funny. It's funny to think about because Ferrari, like, they're joked about having like uh, plan A, plan B, plan C, plan F, plan Q, like thirty six plans for what could happen tire strategy wise and like pit stop windows and everything. And it's like maybe you need A, B, and C and then to like put a lot of that focus onto like the other components of the race and like sure. have some plans in place so that you and the driver are on the same pa- are on the same page if there is a safety car at X time in the race. Or mm-hmm. if there is This or that that could like those other potential. If there is oh, there's looks like it might rain tomorrow at twelve thirty, and the race starts at twelve. Like okay, like let's uh maybe put some thought into the tire strategy. Go on the soft Mm -hmm. tires at the start so that like as you're getting to that end of the stint, like you have the potential to throw on the intermediates if it starts raining, or to just continue on your tire like like maybe i'm sure they talk about some of those things but um i feel like yeah nailing down some of those things uh within the team strategy and and cohesiveness would be would be nice to see
0: from them mm yeah big time agree
1: um but moving up to uh to Aston Martin third in the constructors um from them uh, the biggest point i want to see them Back to being competitive uh, for the podiums like they were at the start of the season, they came out mm-hmm. hot they looked really good uh, mm-hmm. sharp with like everything um and then on the driver's side, I just want to see Lance kind of bridge that gap to Fernando a little bit um, it's not an easy task Fernando's a great driver um, one of the one of the best um, but I think Lance needs to show his, uh, his stuff a little bit more. um, If, especially if the car is like getting them back in a position to compete for those podiums, Mm -hmm. like he needs to be able to, to try at least be close to snagging one after the, the performances Alonzo put in Uh, and not to knock him for his early season after having the wrist injury and everything uh, right before the season started. Like, it makes sense, but now at this point, like he needs to be a little bit closer with that gap to uh, Alonso. Mm-hmm. And they've been very close finishing races, but he needs to be that close when the car is up at the top.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um interestingly, if you look at the drivers championship, uh Fernando and Lewis Hamilton are like mighty mighty close together um in the battle for third place. I think uh I think a lot of weekends here um, is going to be kind of focused around the Lewis Hamilton, Fernando Alonso battle. Um, the cars seem like they're pretty close and the drivers seem pretty evenly matched. I think that could be uh, a pretty exciting kind of a matchup to watch going into the end of the year. I know, um, I know Mercedes is a little further ahead than, um, than Asa Martin in the driver's championship. So maybe not as much jeopardy in that regard. Uh, but I think, if you look at just like two extremely veteran drivers being neck and neck in the driver's championship and you know they're both going to be vying to get as many points as they can i think that's i think you can expect that to be a, a quite electrifying matchup um going into into some of these races but yeah i definitely definitely echo your sentiment um you know, Stroll is 100 points back on his teammate. He's, like, very lackluster if you compare him to Alonso. Um, yeah, just like Ferrari, like, you can have as many plans as you want, but Aston Martin has L plan.
1: <laughs> that was good. Um, well, why don't you, uh, you take us into the expectations you've got for Mercedes in the second half and what you're looking for from the, from the Mercedes squad?
0: Honestly, I don't think at this point you could be like asking more out of the Mercedes drivers. My expectation is like literally for them just to continue getting better. I think the only thing you could say is like George compared to to Lewis may have been like just a little bit of a slow starter, 50 points back, like it's not going to be easy to call back if mm. George's goal is to push towards lewis um but yeah overall i think in the head-to-head both of the drivers i think are doing like rather equal um so as far as like one needing to you know step up or whatever no i think i think as a whole mercedes is just moving on up and my expectation is just that that's going to continue yeah, I
1: I am with you on that. I feel like um Lewis is looking very good when the the car's been competitive. He's looking strong. Um now that they've started to figure out some of the inconsistencies and issues and everything. Um and after last season, I think it kind of put into question a little bit like where George was in comparison to Lewis, and I think this season has kind of um, solidified that last year was a lot of car things uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to Lewis maybe having fallen off at all or George just competing super well I think George is driving very well but I think yeah. Lewis looks a lot more like himself this season
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, than last and uh, and yeah I, I just consistency and and improvements throughout the year would be would be Nice to see because they've they've been gradually progressing so far, yeah. so uh, a nice kind of path. Um, but then looking at Red Bull, um, <clears throat> to be honest on on Max's side, I, I mean I'm sure this doesn't come as too much of a shock, but I, I really don't think Max has made very many mistakes this season as a whole. I think um, even in qualifying performance, I think a lot of times that he from at least from the the news articles and interviews and whatnot it sounds and, and maybe it's some smoke and mirrors but it sounds like a lot of the times he's been out qualified by other drivers it's been because the car's set up for a certain race pace as opposed yeah. to for qualifying and all um so i think he's doing a just a, a stellar job i i don't have any any thing to improve because he hasn't making mistakes um Mm -hmm. from Checo's side just that the qualifying like he he looks fine in the races he moves up through the field um a little bit but when he's qualifying so far back it's just tough so to see him kind of get back to form like he was at the end of the first half and just continue that uh consistency and and all um I think that's that's super important especially Uh, If he wants to hang on to his spot in the driver's standings, he is by no means out of reach of Alonzo or Lewis. So Mm -hmm. um, he's got to keep it up if he's going to maintain that uh, that P2 in the driver's standings.
0: I'll throw an interesting Red Bull expectation here at you. I believe that the current record that they have will be broken. I bet they'll hit a 1.8 this year yet. Oh, in, with in the, the pit, pit stops. stops, yeah, I like
1: that, that that's be, my prediction
0: of one point eight
1: all right I'd love to see it mm-hmm. so that would be uh that would be cool i i think um the only other th- the only thing I'd say for Max is I think it would be cool if he he tied Seb's record for nine wins in a row uh sure because yeah, yeah. winning in Zandvoort at in the Netherlands, one of his home races with the orange army there and everything to tie that record oh. would just be elect that the amount of flare of orange flares going off should be illegal. Oh wait gotcha, it is <laughs> um so yeah that would be uh that would be cool but um but yeah I think that uh that wraps us out for the F one uh second half of the season uh next week of course we'll be looking at the, the upcoming races at Zandvoort a little bit um but any final notes on f1 i don't think so cool well we are going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with some league of legends
0: and we're back folks to talk about the t1 gen g series in the upper bracket final
1: uh yes, upper bracket final in the LCK summer playoffs. We had uh T1 versus Gen G. Um and overall a, a pretty decent series. Uh goes goes to the full five games. Uh so there was some some excitement there. Um but it was uh it was definitely a back and forth series going through uh through game by game. It was uh just bouncing, bouncing back and forth like a ping pong ball.
0: Yeah, and I think maybe a little bit of context for the matchup. Um, One may have expected, like, coming into playoffs, I think T1 would have been uh, big-time question marks, just in the sense of, like, Faker coming back from the injury with the... with their sub player, they did not do so hot. Um, so I think a lot of question marks coming around T1. But with the semi final victory over KT, um, quite surprising. I think that narrative just like gets squashed immediately. Like you, you can't question the form anymore if they they take down who was you know one of the top teams in the region. Just like winning everything, similar similarly to uh, Gen G. So I think coming into this matchup, it's, like, actually quite exciting in that regard. This is, I think, in memory, like, the fourth time this year or within the last year that we've seen T1 go up against G in a best-of-five series. So, I mean, like, what more could you want out of the, you know, the summer LCK, summer LCK fi- um, you know, upper bracket hmm. final? I think it's, like quite exciting in that regard um but you know to 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 go go through the series genji starts off almost 30 minute victories pretty significant gold lead by the end um in a game where owner you know has the advantage early game picks up the uh jungle rail for for the first game now now what did you think about this pick ban
1: uh so in the first game um I think uh here, let me look at my notes. So I overall just liked the comp that Genji put together uh in counter to T1's draft. Um I felt like they really like with the the kind of poke comp that they have a little bit between the Ophelios, the Lulu and the Talia in the mid lane. Um, I felt like they had uh, a good amount of poke, but also ability to stay safe from from distance and everything. Um, And that paired with the Jacks uh, to split push, I think is great. Like You have tons of wave clear, so even if you end up in a situation later in the game where uh t1's putting pressure on you and everything you have the wave clear to keep that out let the jacks kind of split push you're giving yourselves uh kind of multiple paths to victory um where on t1's side it it is very team fight heavy uh and all and i think it it kind of played out that way a bit where genji is able to get that chip damage before a lot of the fights um t1 ends up kind of on the back foot, uh especially once the, the fights start to get extended when you have that, that chip damage and that poke damage early on from Gen G, then you kind of tussle for a little bit and everyone separates. T1's usually on the lower HP side of that due to that early damage from Gen mm-hmm. G side. And so um having them come in uh, with the the comp and everything, I felt like that led to um, some some solid success later on. Um, but I do I, I do feel like T1 had a good cohesive team fight comp. It's just about getting the right engages and everything, which uh, which is not always easy.
0: Yeah, not always easy, especially on Genji, who like who really was team fighting very well this series um, in the mid to late game. I think it was a lot, <clears throat> excuse me, on Genji uh, on Peanut. Uh, there was a series of plays. He was able to secure Herald into bot plates with that Herald into second Drake play which was just, like, a massive tempo advantage for, for Genji. He's able to set his team up with just a huge influx of gold that just sets them up for that, like, post-15-minute, um kind of post-15-minute uh, shift in, you know, game state where now, you know, you're not in lanes. Everybody's kind of moving around, uh, these kind of things. And then you even can, can take a look at... Um, the team fighting strength from genji like you were alluding to in the third dragon fight where i believe the the sejuani alt misses the aphelios alt misses and the talia alt that like looks to split t1 it's like not even that great the doran get or the Doran on Jax gets marked coming in from the bottom. So like their whole setup coming into the third dragon fight, which T1 like has good setup for, by the way. So Genji whiffs all of these alts t1 you know they're in the advantage now we can fight they get the dragon but then they just overplay a little bit even Genji, like down a couple members like all, down most of their damage they were still able to eke these team fights out which was just like honestly wild to me like i thought that third dragon fight the, that setup t1 is favored here every single time does not go that way. And I think at this point, T1 feels a little bit of desperation. They take a look at the back timers, take a look at the wave state. They go for a Baron play. And unfortunately, I think if owners magnet storm was a little bit better, like it was so telegraphed coming out of the Baron pit, the, the, uh, I believe it was pays and delight were able to just kind of like run away, so he gets no alt, he gets no value from the rel alt, um, and then T one just kind of mopped up, and then Gen is able to use the kind of use that tempo and and finish out the game. So unfortunately, I think it was a little bit of a little bit of T one overplaying their hand, where they had opportunities to overcome what to your point uh genji had a very strong team comp and once pace was just racking up the kills there on Ophelios, it got it got pretty pretty tough there so genji takes game one yeah
1: and uh going into game two um the i i've i of course i'm always uh keen to see kha'zix out there it's one of, of my favorite champions that i used to play in the jungle and so Uh, I thought uh, just from from T1's side, I like the draft, the mix of damage that they had with the Gragas top lane um, and the Kazakhs in the jungle, balancing the the AP and the AD damage. Um, But also against the comp that Genji had, a decently squishier comp. But really, T1 just played it out really well um, initially to to ensure that the Kazakhs, because kha'zix falls behind it can be a real big struggle they put owner in a good position and he put himself in a good position uh by putting pressure on the bot lane getting the kill on pays early um kind of going for these picks around and all where um he was good at uh kind of tracking the the enemy team to be able to find the isolated members um Mm -hmm. which was which huge throughout the game um but it it still was a, a pretty contested uh contested game back and forth through uh and was pretty close in gold and, and kills off for quite some time.
0: Yeah, I thought like to that point, it really is not often where um or it is only in these like what you would call like heavyweight matchups where you are able to see the trading of objectives and kills without it just not snowballing heavily in the favor of one team where the team on the receiving end of an advantage is able to you know find something either cross map find something else to do to keep their economy going and keep them in the game um where often you know you just see a team just begin to bleed resources it is in these matchups mm. where you do see the the trading of turrets and and dragons for herald and and these kind of things um to G's credit here I love their I love their draft um, it's like just a bunch of S tier champions it seems like in each of the roles mm-hmm. uh very easy to execute it seems like I think Doran was a massive pressure point for Genji throughout throughout most of the game I think he had a pretty good matchup into Zaeus through, throughout mm-hmm. um, throughout the entirety of the game but interestingly enough and just as much as T1 is able to uh unfortunately throw games at baron they're able to just clutch them at baron just as Mm -hmm. just as easily we see a a trade what appears to be a trade for the dragon soul for the baron where t1 goes for the dragon soul genji tries to slide into baron like butter they leave faker on the dragon to finish it they begin running owner up like um, like right when they see them start it they make the move immediately they start running owner up the river they have Faker, who by this point has a good amount of damage and gold onto his ear, so he's able to just solo out the dragon very quickly. They teleport him into the Baron, so where Denji thought they were just going to have an easy man advantage here, like a 3v5, it very quickly becomes... An, uh, an aggressive 5v5 with uh, T1 storming in. They were able to just mop Genji up in that scenario, um, and they're able to use that advantage for the win. So it's fascinating to see the 0-100 to 100 type aggression that T1 is able to have in these scenarios, even when they're being beaten back in most just, like, straight-up team fights. Um it was it was fun to see them win so uh, kind of decisively with a with a nice move there.
1: Yeah, and I, I think um, that is one of their their keys still is that they are decisive a, a lot of times with their moves and those when they are they typically turn out well. Um, mm-hmm. I think you see with a lot of indecisiveness, uh, you see them kind of. Fall apart a little bit, um, like in uh, in game one when Faker decides to go and just kind of do some Azir poke at the Baron after the rest of the team's been wiped and all, and then Kyrie mm-hmm. ends up dying for it, uh, yep. to try and save Faker. It's like you didn't have it, you should have just backed off. You're like mm-hmm. trying to do a little too much, but when they do make those kinds of plays, it's it's big, um. So yeah, it, impressive uh, turn and all from them off that dragon objective towards the Baron to, to hold up Genji and uh, end up taking game two. Um, game three, uh, my, my biggest thing was uh, looking at initially the swap of the Azir to Chovy uh, and then Faker's counter to it with the Corki um, going a little bit of a different route, but Different champion, but similar route, I guess, is what Chovy was playing to to counter him uh, on the Azir. But I honestly really liked both team comps. Um, I felt like both teams had uh, some really positive sides of their comps. Very good for team fighting, getting picks, um, putting their their carries in a good position.
0: Um, but I think that the way it played out
1: was not necessarily how I expected it after the start, I guess, uh, with the owner just getting put way behind early on, going down o three, 3 um, getting picked off again and again in the jungle. I was kind of like, oh, this is, this is not looking good, but Guma and Kiria honestly just straight up won the 2v2. And that was yeah. such a, a
0: huge, huge key for uh, for T1 in in this game three. And I think uh, teams have been well, you know, Rakan, I think, has been in the meta for for a good long time here. But I think this is one of Karius standouts uh, when they when T1 has him on a. Champion that can just pull the trigger to just pick and engage. We're fighting right now. Uh, they're able to make a quick pick and a and a decisive move onto their opponents. I think this is where T one shines. Like you said, um, Guma and him just able to just straight up win win the two v two and then take that pressure all the way all the way into the late game. Um, oh, yeah. And then even even into the late game, like Carrie is making the plays. You know, you see in the bottom lane where they're they're it's... shoving the the tier two. He's just on it
1: it blows my mind like i
0: from that's the play that
1: i i wrote down kirya playing so well on rakan it was my little quick hand note like he it's so quick it's like it's so smooth and quick and and just sharp he 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 gets those picks with the charm and the knockups and everything uh at the most unexpected moment you're mm-hmm. just like oh he's he's there um and so very yeah very impressive uh and i think that's a one of his yeah one of his best if not his best champion uh that we've gotten to see him on
0: and I think the, uh, Corky was an interesting choice for, uh, Faker going back to kind of an old standby, uh, seemed to, uh, seemed to work for him from this game. Zaius again, you know, on the NAR. So it's interesting some of these team comps that T1's coming with, um, you know, I, th- I think the casters were arguing they weren't the strongest of team comps, uh, but when you put these players on such comfort uh i think something is you know unlocked in that and you know t1's able to uh t1's able to bring it back like even though you were alluding to owner was having a really really tough game um you know guma and Carrier able to pull it out on solid comfort here and i think uh Karia, yeah player of the game in that scenario but the uh success for t1 you know begins to change here going into game four
1: yeah, pretty heavily too. Um I think from the get go I was just not excited about their draft uh primarily with the bot lane. Um the vein pick, I just I don't get it. I I understand that you're going for something with a similar style to the Zari. Um Zeri is just stronger in the meta and everything. There's not really anything that I think you are beating out the Zeri with with the Vein pick there. Um, so I, ideally, I would have liked to see something different. I think the Sivir you mentioned it when we were talking before the, the episode about the Jinx. Either one of those champions, I think, would be um, a, a improvement in this draft for mm-hmm. T1. Um, especially with. Doing a last pick vein, um, you already know that you're going into an Alistar Yone Maokai CC mm-hmm. lockdown uh game. I think something with a little more mobility like the Sivir to kind of run away or the, the spell shield to protect yourself would be great. Um, something like the Jinx where. You have a bit more range and can mm-hmm. still uh get those chase downs and everything if you if you get the kills and um get excited uh there. Um but I that was that was kind of one of the um just standout things from T1's comp that I was disappointed with and because uh, 'cause cause the early game had to be so important on their end. Because not only do they have these kind of tough matchups, but the scaling on Genji's side to be able to especially blow up the Vayne or the Azir, who are going to be your primary damage points and damage threats, are just rough. All it takes is a, a three-barrel chain from Doran late game to To take out one of them and mm-hmm. so you have to to get a lead early um which is just tough to do against the comp that genji put together like it's you're not gonna just steamroll them in the early game
0: yeah unfortunately it seems like Vane is it she's honestly like she feels kind of like antiquated where her move set is not versatile enough to deal with the amount of tools that teams are bringing to their team comps like every champ that they pick is just stacked with you know damage cc some type of you know team effect enemy like they are they're just bringing so much utility that there's so much to dodge that that one tumble every you know three seconds it's just not enough to outplay anymore um so it is it does strike me as like odd and as like a relic of the past and as like a what are we doing here um so yeah big unfortunate in that regard for t1 but like even fakers 05 owners 03 so it's not like it was just the vein that didn't work like i don't think any of the champ or i don't think any of the players were really able to like get anything going really um but then just from the gen g side like they just played out this yone comp just beautifully um mm. it's like a uh, It's a fun pick in that regard. They get Doran onto GP uh, for like going into like indexing into this like triple carry type team comp. Um, So, yeah, I think it presented T1 with a lot of threats and um, questions that needed answers. And yeah, Vane was just not. A good one, and yeah, that's like 2020 vision. But doesn't this just happen every time one of these star eighty carries just locks Vayne? It just becomes like a non-game. It's just a four v five, and it's like okay,
1: yeah. And and Zayus even got a lead in the top lane. He was like winning well in the top lane. He was split pushing for free, getting turrets, like doing a lot for T1 while the rest of the team was was falling behind and then all it took was was gen.g focusing him out getting killing him first in the mm-hmm. team fights and then it was uh just uh, like brutal for for t1 at that point he was kind of their only uh only player that was having any success yeah. um so definitely uh kind of a foot off the gas moment for t1 i feel like and i i just hate seeing teams do that where I feel like I've seen too many times where teams get a lead in a series or in a game, and they're like, "Oh, we have some breathing room." And then out of nowhere, it comes back to just bite them because mm. they they took that breath of air uh, and everything and and relaxed for just too long. Um, and, and going into Game Five, like uh, it it happens again. I think T one um improved upon their comp from from game 4 um but really i mean i think the the matchup versus yone in the lane phase is is fine for azir but as it gets later in the game like i, I just see genji um has some some good scaling and especially with that yone like the concern about Someone getting picked off with that ultimate is mm-hmm. uh, a big threat later, but it it really was a lot about pays in this game. Just kind of with his positioning and and being able to just free hit for a lot of these team fights. Genji just played them out so well, kept him safe, and and allowed him to just uh, do a, a massive amount of damage from the back line.
0: Yeah, and I think this was even like in a game where T1, I think, was able to maybe take advantage of the jungle matchup a little bit. Owner has the advantage on Peanut for the first like 15 minutes of the game. He just shows up everywhere Peanut is, just makes his life just really annoying and t1 is not even able to convert this advantage like the marking of the enemy jungler keeping him down um the power of the uh the power of the pays was just just too much i think the team fight setup as well um they've got a lot of tanky boys to uh to you know put in front before anybody is going to be able to hit the uh hit the afelios um And this is even, like, T1's strongest draft, I think, in the series. You know, barring winning with them, uh, you know, some of the more comfort pick um, team comps. I think this is their, like, most meta-strong team mm. comp. And, yeah, unfortunately, I think Genji just um, ends up a, ends up building enough of an advantage that T1 felt kind of maybe desperate to make something happen like if we don't break their economy now we're not going to win later right yeah. um so they made a couple like interesting choices uh around the baron pit and the neutrals to kind of force genji's hand but i think it was i think the gold advantage was a little too in the favor of genji at this point where even with good setups t1 wasn't able to claw claw out the victories here
1: yeah, Azaius uh later in the game, like he did have some really good flank opportunities, but at that point they were just uh a bit too far behind to be mm-hmm. able to, to make those work. But uh but yeah, Gen G wraps it up three to two. They go on to the finals to await the winner of the KT Rolster T one matchup that we have coming up uh this weekend. Um so looking forward to to that. And then of course the finals. So we have the semifinals on Saturday um, or the lower bracket finals Saturday between T1 and KT. And then Sunday we'll have the finals between G and the winner of that, uh, that series. So
0: um,
1: some exciting. Don't you, LCK. Mean,
0: don't you mean the rematch between G and T1? I, you never know, man. You never
1: know. You never know. So, uh, that uh, that wraps up the League of Legends for this week, um, but I know we wanted to, to briefly touch on some of the Valorant champions. The group stages were going on. We uh, saw um, that the first round, I think, uh, or a couple of the first round matchups in the playoffs have finished, but um, I had the opportunity to see Loud face-off against Na'Vi and then T1 against FPX. Um, I it was it was fun kind of watching uh a bit of this uh the group stages and all getting to have a better feel. I haven't watched much Valorant recently. Um mm. so it was kind of cool seeing all these League of Legends names in the Valorant space. I knew that a lot of them were there, but um that's part of why I watched the T one versus FPX matchup specifically. Yes. Um, and then of course Loud and Navi have been some solid teams recently, so that's uh kind of why I picked that one out of uh the matchups. But it's uh it's fun. I need I've definitely need to catch up a bit with uh the, the different maps and all. Um I am not as up to date on all of the, the different maps that they have and everything. Lotus gotcha. is one. Lotus and Pearl are two that I don't mm-hmm. remember really. I think they're both pretty new. Yeah. Uh, and although I've seen Split a couple of times, I'm not like, I haven't ever played on it. So oh, okay. I gotcha. don't know uh, that side of it as well. Um, so it's, uh, it's fun to, to see that, but it also made me aware, like it also made me aware that I need to have a bit more, uh, or or maybe get a bit more knowledge,
0: get back into it a little bit, um, to appreciate it more. Um, okay. Gotcha. But well, your step back into it, what did you enjoy most about the matches? What did you find like the most interesting about this game that like maybe other games don't have, or you enjoy in this specifically?
1: So I think one of the interesting points... I've been watching a bit of CSGO lately. Um, mm-hmm. I watched Tim the Tatman's YouTube videos a bunch, and he's been playing a lot more CSGO. Um, and so I think one of the things that I noted uh, with the current like meta with Valorant that seems to have kind of transpired, I feel like in the f- early days of Valorant, when you and I were playing a bit more and everything, um, there was a lot more, um, emphasis put on these like kind of solo carry type players being a part of the, or of agents, like being part of the team comp, particularly like the jet and some, mm-hmm. of, uh, the Omen and some of these like big play potential uh, agents with their ultimates but now it has kind of fallen into much more of a uh, i'd say kind of standard meta towards like what CS:GO is where mm-hmm. yes the mobility and some of the abilities and everything that you get uh do shake things up a bit but the big um Focus is really on the utility and, uh, like the smokes and, and walls yeah. and things that, uh, a lot of the agents can provide to give your, your team that, um, flexibility with your strategy and everything. So I think mm-hmm. it's kind of honed in on that part of being a, <laughs> like, bomb planner, bomb diffuser game style where it, there has to it can't be reliant on oh tens is just the stud who's outmatching everyone so throw him on jet so he can fly up sure. th- into the sky and and <laughs> ace the other team. You're you're having to you're seeing the the quality of players overall grow and so oh, yeah, you're you're having to look for um what are going to be the more optimal and kind of secure strategies. So Mm -hmm. that was the biggest difference. Like this is the first time that I've watched much Valorant and like taken the time to watch a few series in a bit. And Mm -hmm. I feel like um, remembering back to the early stages of competitive Valorant and watching Mm -hmm. some of the teams, that's like the big difference I see now.
0: Yeah, no, that's um I think that's that's a pretty good one to to allude to. I just want to tell you a pretty funny story that came out of group C, um, before we uh you know, before we move on to the uh to the flavor of the week. So in the second match of Group C, energy North America's energy goes up against China's Billy Billy Gaming. The Operator player for energy, his name is Artis. He was quoted in a in a press conference before the tournament as to asking what the name of the Billy Billy Gaming like operator player was in in a kind of flippant manner as though like who would know this guy? Like he's not a notable player in this kind of way, right? Mm. And then they uh, Billy Billy Gaming goes on then in this opening match. After Artist says, like, who is this guy? Billy Billy Gaming goes on to not only beat energy, but it was like a shellacking. Like it was not really even close. It was 2 0. And then So then post interview or post-match interview with the winners of Billy Billy Game, the winners of Billy Billy Gaming, this operator player, his name is YZ. And he's quoted in the interview as to saying, like, hey, artist, I know you said you didn't know who I was. Do you know me now? He's, like, literally asking this. And, like, just, uh, like, giving it right back. He's like, Amazing. do you know who I am now? Losers interview artist goes on to say like yeah yeah like ah, man like ggs but i promise we will beat them next time there's no way an energy is not gonna be in the playoffs like don't you even worry about it like this guy is very very confident in this interview he's like i promise we will make it to playoffs cut to two days later energy has the the rematch against billy billy gaming and it goes even worse they are just they must just be tilted they were just on twitter too much and billy billy gaming again beats energy knocks them out of the tournament after all of these big words and yz in this second matchup and i i bet you can find a picture of it he had he goes off i think it's round like it's pretty deep into the second game where billy billy gaming like they're just they're going to win yz has a round where he pops off he literally stands up out of his chair and like points a handgun at artist and pulls the trigger and just sits back down dude it was wild dude me and sarah were literally watching (laughs) this live (laughs) i i have to go find this i'm like it's awesome this is this was like the best esports moment that i've seen in so long this guy's winner's interview was like in english he goes and asks the crowd he's like are you surprised he's like he's like the ultimate showman this guy (laughs) it was awesome he's literally standing up out of his seat handgunning stud insane billy billy gaming goes on to secure their spot in the playoffs beating energy 2-0 so they'll be playing up against drx which i mean that's going to be a tough matchup we'll see how it goes but so far man yz has my vote for sure especially dude i'm i'm silly dumb north american fan i was even like i was before Watching those games, I was excited to literally watch artists specifically. I was like, I like this guy. When he played for FPX, he was Mm -hmm. the chamber player. He was like a solid player. But now I'm just like, oh, uh, he's just a clown, right? He is just a clown. All the shit talk, he got washed up in it. He said too much. And now Billy Billy Gaming has his spot. But bro, that handgun classic like that's going to be stained in my mind forever so good like they are mid-match winning live and he does it great so yeah i mean valorant continues to deliver i think it's um i think it's a pretty good game it has some pretty fun storylines
1: i that's awesome and i'm looking forward to uh to watching because we saw uh some of the playoffs started we saw that loud actually beats Fnatic. Uh Cute. which I think is a, a pretty a decent upset. It's a rematch of one of the recent finals mm-hmm. that they had and all. Um but to uh especially knock Fnatic down to the lower bracket, um that kind of opens up uh a little bit of space potentially for Billy Billy gaming. Uh Fnatic two owed them in the uh in the group stage, mm-hmm. they would if they're able to play pretty well, would not have to face fanatic uh, potentially until the, the finals, if they can uh, go on a nice little run here. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm excited to check out some of the playoff matches and I'll, uh, I'll have to check out the finger guns uh, uh, after the episode, but oh, it's great. Uh, but yeah, any final notes on, uh, on Valorant before we go to the flavor of the week?
0: No, I don't think so. I just think we're set up for a couple of good playoff matches and then we'll uh keep you guys posted as we get deeper. There's like a big there's a big lower bracket, a couple upper bracket matches as well. So we'll we'll have some to talk about here in the next coming coming weeks here. But uh yeah, let's just get out of here with the flavor of the week.
1: Sounds good. So I'll uh head through it pretty quick on my end. So for my food this week, uh when I went up to my buddy's birthday party he had made uh they had made some like food and everything for everyone and he had made some ceviche with fla- i think it was flounder that he had caught um he had gone fishing recently and it was it was really good i have not really had like homemade ceviche before and so gotcha. I, I think maybe once somewhere but it was uh it was solid and uh, of course, Colleen was like, "Oh, now we have to do it at home." So I'll probably be uh, trying to whip that up at some point soon. Gotta um, go catch a flounder, man! Hell yeah, I'll uh, I'll have to get out there, cast my uh, cast my rod. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not a fisherman by any means. So uh, for my my music this week, so it's uh, actually on the drive up to uh, Long Island. Colleen and I were. Um, listening to the post Malone interview with Alex Cooper on the call her daddy podcast. And gotcha. it was just, uh, I saw that post was on it. I had seen some TikTok clips and everything. And I was like, I was like, Oh, like that. I, I want to check that out. See what he has to say. I remembered him being of course on, uh, the tiny gang podcast with Cody and Noel mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I was like, he's he's a funny guy. And it was just uh cool listening to him talk about like um his life now, where he's at, how happy he is with his daughter and his I think fiance and everything. Uh just Whoa. like very content, um and putting out some good music. He has an album coming up, uh named Austin, so uh which is his real name. So um Whoa. I think that'll be uh interesting to check out because he's definitely delved into other areas of and genres of music away from mm-hmm. the uh just the the rap music and all a bit more in his recent albums. so uh looking forward to, to checking that out um and then my visual medium colleen and i finished the first and currently only season of severance that is out there um Uh, so we really enjoyed that it was uh it's very like i I, i'm not a big bingy tv person i have trouble like just grinding out episodes (laughs) of tv so Mm -hmm. uh and especially with something as like gritty and kind of like um like you're on the edge like tense as uh okay. as severance kind of gets um lots of cliffhangers and everything but uh really really good show i would recommend it and we'll uh i'm looking forward for the upcoming season that i think should be coming out sometime before too long uh um, very cool so that is my flavor
0: of the week for this week that sounds that sounds quite delicious especially in the sense that i have no clue what ceviche is that's uh that's my pay grade it's like uh
1: so it's fish and like chopped up like onions and uh other things that are made into kind of like a cold like soup but it's not really liquidy it's kind of and so it's like a slaw uh sort of but the the fish is i think it's like it's cooked but in like lime juice i think primarily and so gotcha. i there, it's like about the preparation oh, okay. um, of the food but okay. uh, yeah so ceviche ceviche is a south american dish of marinated raw fish or okay so the fish is raw but it's marinated in like the lime juice which i think the acidity kills any like bacteria or something like mm. that so it kind of cures it um and then is mixed with yeah like onions and peppers and avocado and things like that with like that lime juice is kind of the broth it seems like
0: okay oh that's pretty neat so
1: yeah Wonderful. so pretty good i would recommend
0: okay okay Highly recommended. Gotcha. So my food here for the week. I was gonna tell you. I was gonna tell you a, a, a funny story from from yesteryear, but I will just um, I will just leave that as a cliffhanger for next week, and just comment on um, another banger um, concoction from Sarah. She's a she does a mean chili. She makes some rice with it. It's just a mainstay. I think of our relationship. Um, we just you know chili it's it's a good one to go to we got that on the boil um my visual medium here for the week we watched uh guardians of the galaxy 3 which was the um next up in the multiverse saga um and i guess the the end of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, I think. To my understanding, that was the last one. It did say we will see Star-Lord again, but probably in a different capacity. Um, But yeah, this one, honestly... I have to say definitely better than the second one contends in my mind with the first one. It followed like it, it looks to tell the story of rocket and how like he came to be and all of this. And it kind of ties in with the second one a little bit. Um, but yeah, overall I would say, I would say pretty good. I definitely enjoyed it. I think has been a step up on like some of the like Marvel productions recently, but uh, yeah, I, definitely enjoyed it um yeah it was pretty good go. and then uh my music for the week I was listening to some vinyl the first disc of the college dropout mm. so good okay what uh what songs are on that so that's um all my people that's drug dealing just to get by stack your money to it. So that's track one. You've got, uh, through the wire. Um, you've got, uh, don't let, uh, uh, let, let me down. I think it is, or never let you down. The one that has, uh, the one that has Jay-Z on it. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, what else is, what else is at the front there? um graduation
1: days on yep. the
0: a side uh jesus walks that's it yep yeah graduation days an interlude uh but yeah that jesus walks super uh, powerful yeah i think i
1: was confusing that with graduation which i don't oh, know yeah that's I a full album yeah i was like that didn't click um but <laughs>
0: Nice. Either way, College Dropout super solid. Um the the front half definitely slaps. I mean, the the whole thing is very good, but it's fun to see like it's fun to like see the beginnings of the things that this artist like becomes like incredibly known for and are just like staples of 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 their career and music. It's fun to see like the bubblings of that in the early music and see like, Oh, whoa. Like he was doing that here too. You just like, didn't even like really realize it in some way. Um, so yeah, Kanye continues to impress me uh, even many years later, but that's my flavor of the week. Very nice. Love to, to hear it.
1: And yeah, some of his, his old stuff, he has a, he has an impressive catalog, uh, but Very. it's fun to to go back every now and then. Um, but of course, at the end of the flavor of the week, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Uh, check us out on Spotify, Google podcasts, YouTube. Uh, we'll have any more race companions we do throughout the rest of the F1 season up on YouTube. Uh, so check it out. Um, but we appreciate you taking the
0: time to to spend with us week after week. Tell your friends new episodes every Thursday. That's the most important part is to tell a friend uh, that you like the show and to listen to the show. And we just appreciate your time so very much. Thank you for joining us. Um, This has been another episode of the tall and short of It podcast. Peace out everyone. See ya.